how God faithfully deals with a faithless, reluctant prophet. A prophet who, who fled from his call to be a prophetic witness to a group of Gentiles in the city of Nineveh. Jonah, he turned his back on Yahweh Elohim. Flees from his presence to Tarshish. And the Lord lets him go. The Lord lets Jonah flee from him until he supernaturally intervenes into the situation. And we know he does so in a, in a powerful and yet frightening way. He, he hurled a great wind upon the sea, a great wind that eventually developed into a perfect storm. And the perfect storm prevents the ship from taking Jonah to the place he wanted to flee to. And it created a, a dangerous situation for the men upon that ship. All of them could possibly die at sea if something doesn't happen. They're in need of salvation. They're, they're in need for someone to come rescue them. All of their attempts for salvation failed, if you remember the, the past sermons. They all failed. They all did not secure their salvation. Even the captain's attempt to, to get Jonah to, to cry out to Yahweh was pointless. Was pointless. What did the captain say to Jonah? What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps your God would give a thought to us that we will not perish here in this storm. But Jonah doesn't call out to his God for salvation. For help. And so another attempt for salvation fails. And so all hope at this point seems to be lost. But then the sailors decide to try one more thing. One more thing they could do to try to help the dangerous situation. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning in, in Jonah chapter 1, verses 7 through 16. Just the perfect storm, part 3. Here is God's word. And they, the sailors, said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on who account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear Yahweh, Elohim of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing for the presence of the Lord, because Jonah told them. Then they said to Jonah, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more powerful. He said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more powerful against them. 
Therefore, they called out to Yahweh, O Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not innocent blood on our hands. For you, O Yahweh, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared Yahweh exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your truth, we, 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 we pray that your spirit will, will work in our hearts. Now, I know it's hard at times to read these stories in the Old Testament in a detached way. To read them in such a way that, that, that it's not relevant today. To just gloss over them. Help us to see that this is history. That what is taking place here actually happened. All the fear, all the doubt, all the human emotion that, that is tied up on this ship is real. Help us to see that, Father. Help us to see that you intervene in the world in supernatural ways. That's just not in Jonah's life, but you still continue to do that today. So, Father, wherever we are today, wherever we're dealing with, whatever we're fearing, Lord, minister to us. Minister to me. Help us to see you. And I pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. Jonah 1, verses 7 through 16, can be viewed from two perspectives. You can see it from the viewpoint of the Gentile sailors, and then you can see it from the viewpoint of Jonah the prophetic witness. Today we're going to see it from the viewpoint of these Gentiles. Because they, they are major characters in this part of the book. And so we need to look at it from their perspective. The Gentile sailors, they finally find out the cause of the storm. That's where we're going to start. They finally learn the cause of the storm. As I said earlier, all their previous attempts for salvation failed. All their previous attempts to save themselves from the storm was pointless. All three attempts failed. They had a spiritual attempt, right? They prayed to their pagan gods, and it failed. They went to human effort and ability. They threw all the cargo stuff off the ship, and it did not secure their salvation. They even went to the prophetic witness. The captain went to Jonah. He went to the Lord's prophet and asked him, will you pray to your God for help? And Jonah does nothing. He doesn't do it. So the sailors have tried to do what they could to secure salvation. Again, these are Gentiles. These are the pagans. Wanting salvation. Wanting help. And so they try something else. They try a different approach. So all of them gather together in a huddle to participate in a common practice within the ancient Near East. And this common practice is casting lots. And what does that mean? It's a, it's a decision-making process that those in the ancient world use. Verse 7, And the sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots 
that we may know on whose account this disaster has come upon us. Casting lots was used in the ancient world to discern the will of the gods among pagans. And even the people of Israel uses this system to discern the will of Yahweh. So Jonah knows what is happening. He's not unfamiliar about what is taking place. The issue, the thing with the Israelites is they, they believe Yahweh was in control of the outcome. However the lots fell, they believe God was sovereign over it. Proverbs 18, 18 says, The lot puts an end to crows and decisions between powerful contenders. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from Yahweh. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from Yahweh. So casting lots is not about telling the future. It's not about predicting the future. It's all about making decisions. And an important decision has to be made right now. An unbiased decision, an impartial decision. Namely, what is the cause of this storm? What's causing it? All the sailors feel that someone on the board of the ship is not being honest about something. Someone on this ship is riding dirty and not being honest about it. Someone's done something and is not being truthful about it. See, when I was growing up, I didn't ride with certain friends, if you know what I mean. Because if I got stopped with those certain friends, all of us were going to be in trouble. So I made sure my friends weren't riding dirty. See, these men didn't know Jonah. They just let him on the ship. Just let him on the ship. Come on. So what's the cause of the storm? They can sense it, but they can't identify who the person is. They sense no one is is at fault, but they don't know who it is. And so they decide to cast the lot. Because no one stepped up to the plate and said, hey, it's my fault. Hey, I did this. I'm the reason for this. I'm the blame for this. People have to be called out of their sin. People don't freely admit to guilt. They have to be exposed. And so again, they come together to cast lots or to know on whose account this evil, this disaster has come upon them. They want to know who's to blame. So they're self-determined to get to the bottom of what is happening. So they cast lots, and lo and behold, the lot falls to Jonah. And if Jonah was in a group or a room, all of our heads would turn like this. Uh-oh. The spotlight. The lot falls to Jonah. And at this point, it it basically means that that Jonah knows something. Jonah has some information. He has some forewarning of what is happening with this storm. The sailors are no longer in the dark. All their eyes turn to Jonah. And they don't go off the deep end either. They don't verbally attack Jonah. But they anxiously and corporately Demand some answers from him, though. The soulless, they said to him, tell us on, on whose account this disaster has come upon us. See, they want answers. Because remember, their lives are at jeopardy here. Life and death. 
Life and death. Perfect storm, big waves. Life and death. So they need answers. They need salvation. And they are desperate. So they proceed to interrogate, interrogate Jonah. They set him down. They ask him all these questions. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? This is the third time Jonah has been approached like this in the story. The third time he's been approached. He was approached by Yahweh. He says nothing. He was approached by the captain, and he says nothing. Now he's approached by all the sailors. And this time he has nowhere to flee. He has nowhere to run. He's going to have to address these men. Why? Because his sin is catching up to him. His sin is catching up to him. And he feels it. He knows it. Jonah is being exposed as the one who is causing the storm. Again, is it it fate? Is it just karma? Is it just luck or chance? No, it's Yahweh. It's Yahweh. And what I love about the Old Testament, you get to see humanity and the sovereign God at work. Side by side. You don't see this in the, in, the, in the epistles, but you definitely see it all throughout the Old Testament. Man at work and God sovereignly at work at the same time. So Yahweh is at work here with these sailors casting these lots. He is bringing Jonah into the light. Remember Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. The Lord is revealing Jonah as the cause of the storm. And the prophet finally has to speak. He, pro- he, he finally has to say something. And he says to these sailors, I am a Hebrew. I fear Yahweh, the Elohim of heaven, who made the earth and the dry land. Jonah identifies his, his cultural identity and his spiritual beliefs. He fears Yahweh. That means he, he worships Yahweh. That's what fear of the Lord means. It means reverence. It means submission to his authority. He identifies um, uh, uh, Yahweh as Elohim of heaven. Elohim of heaven. Not Elohim of heaven. Not a Elohim, but the Elohim. The only true God of heaven. And Elohim of heaven bears witness to Yahweh's transcendence and his sovereign rule over all creation. Over all creation. And the next thing he says about Yahweh is that Yahweh is also the creator of the land and the sea. And if he made them, guess what? He also controls them. And the perfect storm is evident of that. The perfect storm is evident of that. And notice what has taken place in, in, this, in, 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 in Jonah's answer to these sailors. For the first time, the prophetic prophet, the prophetic witness, bears witness to his God while he's been exposed for his sin. I find that quite interesting. I find it interesting that, that a few paragraphs ago, Jonah 
flees from the Lord. Now he says he fears the Lord. He said it, but if you look at his actions, does his actions reflect one who fears the Lord? No. His actions don't agree with his current profession of faith. Because his action says he does not fear Yahweh. Jonah is like us. Sometimes we don't always practice what we preach either. None of us do. Nevertheless, his, his words about Yahweh, it does something to these sailors. It does something to them. The words, I fear Yahweh Elohim who created the heavens and the earth, it struck an internal chord within these men. These words intensify their fear. Intensify their fear. He said the men were exceedingly afraid. That means they were afraid and greatly afraid now. It's a more intense fear than they had back in verse 5. In verse 5, they, they were afraid of the perfect storm. And now we see a progression of their fear. Now they're exceedingly afraid. Exceedingly afraid of what? They're not afraid of Jonah's ethnicity. They're not afraid of the fact that he's a Hebrew. They're afraid of the fact that, that, they, that he has a God that they don't know. They're afraid of the fact that, that they, he worships a God that they can't control. They are afraid of the fact that they are in the midst, stuck in the middle of some divine punishment upon Jonah, and they can't get out of it. They crawl, they crawl, they call it a crossfire. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And Jonah, they asked Jonah, what is it that you have done? I mean, I mean, do you see where we're in? Like, man, what you do? <laughs> I mean, what did you do to put us in this situation? And he says, well, I, I fled from his presence. You fled from his presence? And we get caught in this type of storm? Man, what kind of God do you worship? He worships the God who hates sin. He's merciful. His love is long-suffering, but he also hates sin. As well, because he is also holy. As well. The pagans realize that they are face to face with the power of the one true God. And remember, they prayed to their gods, and their gods didn't come through for them. Their gods didn't, because their gods are false gods, not Jonah's God. They are at the mercy of Yahweh, even though they don't fear Yahweh. They are still at his mercy. And this is true for every non-believer in the world. Even if they don't believe in our God, they are still at the mercy of our God. The movie Rise of the Guardians, if you've ever seen it, I don't know if you, if you let your kids see it, but it brings together you know, characters from our, from our childhood like Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, the Sandman, Jack Frost. And they're basically a team of superheroes in the movie. And in the movie, Santa says, we, 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 we go by many names. We take many forms. We bring wonder and hope. I lost my place. We bring wonder and hope. We are the Sandman. We are the Tooth Fairy. We are the Easter Bunny. We are Santa. And our powers are greater than you can ever imagine. It is our job to protect the children of the world. For as long as they believe in us, we will guard them with our lives. 
His last words, they are key. As long as the children of the world believe in them, these characters will guard them with their life. See, the guardians, they're powerful, but they are dependent upon the beliefs of children for their existence. If the children stop believing in them, then the guardians will cease to exist. Yahweh is no guardian. Yahweh is not dependent upon the beliefs of people for his existence. This world can be populated by 99% atheists, and Yahweh will still exist and reign as God. Will still exist as God. And he is not dependent upon you for his existence either. He has always been and will always be Yahweh Elohim regardless of whether or not people believe in him. Belief in Yahweh Elohim isn't a prerequisite for one to be at his mercy, subject to his sovereign rule and authority. This is what the sailors are experiencing. All people are subject to the sovereign rule of Yahweh Elohim, even those who don't believe and acknowledge him are at his mercy. And if they don't know him, they're at the mercy of his judgment that will come one day unless they are rescued from it through Christ. These sailors are in the middle of being in the midst of God's judgment. And they can't get out of the storm until Yahweh's purpose is fulfilled. The storm demands something. It's working against them for a reason. It demands something in order to satisfy it. It needs a solution. What is the solution? In, the verse sailor, in verse 11, the sailors asked Jonah for a solution. They said, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down? Not, not to all of us. But what must we do to you? It's, don't you see it interesting that these pagan sailors have some type of insight? Some type of insight? The sailors know the cause of the storm. It's Jonah because he fled from the Lord. And now the sailors want a solution. They want a solution. Why? Because things are starting to get more and more dangerous. The verse says the sea, it grows more and more violent. The storm is growing stronger by the minute. It's growing more and more out of control. And if something doesn't happen, all of them are going to perish. Oh, they're going to perish. The men, again, are desperate. They need help. And notice, they know that part of the solution to the problem involves something happening to Jonah. They see that. They see that Jonah has to pay the piper here. That there has a consequence for Jonah for fleeing for the Lord. And these pagan sailors see it. That Jonah's God demands some type of payment from Jonah from fleeing. There's a consequence coming Jonah's way. And until he embraces that consequence, the storm will continue to rage upon the sea. Jonah tells them what they must do. He says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down from you. Then the sea will quiet down for you. Jonah gives them permission to do this. It's clear, it's direct. Pick me up and hurl me into sea. This is the third time this word hurled has been used in this chapter. 
in these verses. The third time in these verses. First, the Lord, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea that developed into a perfect storm. Second, the, the, the sailors hurled all the cargo into the sea. And now Jonah tells them to hurl him into the sea to quiet the sea down. The storm rages upon the sea with a mighty voice. It rages on the sea because it demands Jonah to be hurled into it. It demands Jonah. It's crying out to Jonah. The storm will not be satisfied until Jonah is thrown overboard. And Jonah says to him, and Jonah himself says, For I know that it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. He finally admits guilt. He finally admits it. It's my fault. It's my sin that has caused this storm to come upon these sailors. It's not the pagans' fault here. It's the prophetic witness' fault. Again, the question I have asked you, when was the last time you have heard the church in our country say such things as this? I know that it's our fault that this great storm has come upon our country. It is our fault. We don't have the humility to do that. I hope one day we will. And Jonah still hasn't called out to the Lord. I find that very interesting too. Has not called out to the Lord for help. But yet he tells the sailors to, to pick me up and hurl me into the sea. This is the consequence that was that was saved them from the perfect storm. And please, don't read these words as one who knows how the story will end. So we know how the story will end. Try to read it as one who is on this ship. Try to read them as one who has listened to Jonah say these words. Because make no mistake, when Jonah says, hurl me into the sea, he is saying, throw me to my death. You please got to see that. That's what he's saying. What are the eyes of someone surviving being thrown in the sea as a hurricane rages upon the sea? Who's going to survive that? No one. No one survives that. There will be no Coast Guard coming to save Jonah once he's gone overboard. There are no helicopters coming with, flat, with, with a light looking down trying to see it. When he goes overboard, he's been thrown over to his death. To his death. That's what he is telling them. Sacrifice me in order to save your life. Because if you sacrifice me, the storm will cease. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sacrifice me to save yourself. Sacrifice me in order to save yourself. I don't know if, if this was Jonah being noble, but his solution is what. But his solution to them would save these men, and it hits these men like a ton of bricks because you know what? They don't want to believe that Jonah's consequence for fleeing for the Lord meant death. <laughs> they didn't want to believe that. And so they tried themselves to get back to dry land themselves. It, it can't mean that, Jonah. I know you fled from, from your God, but he wants you to die for it? To die for it? Nevertheless, the word said, the men rode hard 
They rode harder and harder to try to get back to the dry line, dry land. And the harder they rode, the storm fought against them. It, Yahweh is not going to let them leave until they throw Jonah off the ship. Again, they don't want to sacrifice Jonah. They value Jonah's life. These are pagans who values someone's life. It should be Jonah who values life. He's the prophetic witness. They didn't want to sacrifice Jonah. So they used a human effort again to try to save them. But the harder they rode, they became again pointless. Pointless. Human effort never wins against God's power. Ever. Yahweh always wins. All the time. Human effort and ability let them down again. And they start to realize they have no choice but to submit. If they're going to get out of this situation, they're going to have to sacrifice Jonah to do it. But first the sailors do something that Jonah has yet to do. They, the pagans, call out to Yahweh. They pray to him. Therefore, they call out to the Lord for mercy. It's a call of surrender. It's a call of submission. O Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Yahweh, have done as it pleased you. These Gentile sailors who once prayed to false gods are now praying to our God. Are now praying to our God. Their prayer is a profession of faith. Make no mistake, that is what is happening here. These men are starting to see that Jonah's God is God. What do you see the Lord doing? Using Jonah's disobedience for his own glory. That's what is happening here. Their words echo the words of Psalm 115.3. Our God is in the heaven and he does whatever he pleases. And these pagan men are seeing it. That there is nothing I can do to stop Yahweh. There's nowhere I can go to flee from his power and his authority. And so they pick up Jonah and they hurl him into the sea. And the sea ceased from his raging. Why? Because it is satisfied. It is satisfied. And if you're on this ship and you're like, you're seeing all this going on, and all of a sudden it stops, it stops just like that, where's your response going to be? It's going to be worship. Because it says, they fear the Lord exceedingly. Because they are witnessing the power of Yahweh at work. The God who started the storm, the same God that caused the storm to cease. And they now fear Yahweh exceedingly. Not fear of death, but fear that means worship. Fear that means submission. Fear that means reverence. Fear that means I'm a worshiper of Yahweh now. To be in awe of Him. To submit to Him. And out of this fear, it led to certain actions. They offered a sacrifice and made vows to God. 
when you reflect on the cause of this storm, the solution, and the season of the storm, what does it tell you about Yahweh? What does it tell you about him? It reinforces God's heart for the nations, not just one particular nation. God's heart for the nation. His heart for the all people group to come to know him in faith. And we see that with these sailors. As a mirror to what God wants to do in Nineveh. He does on this ship. Those who don't know him hopefully will come to know him. And that his people, who are his prophetic witnesses, will be part of that. And Jonah did it even though he didn't want to do it. Even though he was fleeing for it, he still um, bore witness to Yahweh. And God used it. Because the sailors on the ship were pagan, but when Jonah left the ship, they were now worshipers of Yahweh. In spite of Jonah. Nothing will stop God's plan of redemption. Nothing. You got to believe that. I don't care what's happening in our country. I don't care what's going on with our government. I don't care what is going on with the church in America. God's plan for redemption is going to happen. And there ain't nothing that can stop it. Because he's God and we're all under him. Our God is in the heaven and he always does what pleases him. Always. And so my question to to you as, as, as believers in America, as prophetic witnesses of Christ in America, you have to know when you connect Christ to this, he was thrown overboard for you. Jonah was thrown overboard for his own sin. Christ was thrown overboard for your sin. Into the storm of God's wrath for you. And as believers, as those who have faith in Christ, you are also called to be a prophetic witness of Christ. Wherever God has you, wherever your role may be, are you his prophetic witness? Are you representing him? Because there are plenty of people in our world who are dying, trying their hardest to save themselves, giving their lives to all sorts of things, stuck in gender identity issues, whatever it may be, they are dying. They desperately need the prophetic witnesses to call out to their God on their behalf. I've always, I said this a few weeks ago, the church in America, we're too privileged. I didn't, we're too privileged. Because when we're privileged, we don't pray. If you know anything about the history of Christianity, there has always been a faith of the suffering. Christianity in America can't survive in Christianity in China. Think about what we argue about. Think about what what would devise us. If you're in China, you just happen to find another believer. If you're in a world where you're the persecuted, you, you, you don't have conferences conferences and stuff to go to. You're just lucky to have all the believers who can lock on to you. We got to realize that we are prophetic witnesses 
not unto ourselves, not to our denomination, not to our country, not to wherever it is we have going on. We are prophetic witnesses of Jesus Christ alone. And his kingdom is not the United States. Okay? It's not. Our kingdom is there. And here we are agents of Jesus. And we lead and we speak into this culture. We speak into the church for repentance, people. You really know God was sending Jonah to Nineveh so the people would repent of their sins. That's what the gospel message is. It gives them people the opportunity to repent so they will be rescued from the wrath of God that is to come. We are the only ones with that message. We are the only ones with that hope. And if we don't share it, who can share it? Who can bring it? We can't abandon our prophetic responsibilities to anybody. It is our responsibility and privilege to be witnesses and agents of God's kingdom. And my prayer for us, my prayer for myself, my prayer for every believer in this country, that that is what we will return to, taking serious our prophetic calling to be a witness of Jesus. And guess what? Even if we fail, even when we struggle, God's work will go on. So don't let us think he needs us now. He is doing it. This is a privilege to be where we are. It ain't a right. Without entitlement. Remember I said he spoke through a donkey now. So he can use anyone, anything. So it's a privilege for God to say, go out and, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is a privilege. Let us pray. Father God, I, I, I know I struggle in, with an entitlement mentality as a believer, thinking I deserve certain things and thinking I'm, uh, you're lucky to have me on your team. And you know what? That is just pride. For you, you've always been doing what you're doing. You've always been redeeming things. Ever since you, you kicked man out of the garden, Lord, you've been bringing people to saving faith. You have been bringing redemption and resurrection to this world. And so, Father, as we look at Jonah again, let us see how you, how you work through a people who is messed up. Let us see how you continue to use us in spite of us. You use Jonah in spite of him. <laughs> now, he did have to get thrown off the ship, but you still used him. You still used him. Help us to know that, that Lord, we are broken, prophetic witnesses and that's okay because we don't serve a broken God we serve God who uses broken things for his glory and that's all of us and so our trust has to always be in you and so as we go out I pray over our families I pray over our kids I pray over our country I pray over our city I pray for the church in this country Lord that you will bring us to a place of a greater repentance. Seeing our brokenness. And out of that brokenness. You will use us to bring glory to your name. By being your representatives. 
in a way that is powerful, in a way that brings revival. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.